You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. Welcome, everyone. This is episode number 24 with Chrissy Ropiha. Chrissy is an amazing Gold Coast mom of three beautiful little kids, and she's the owner of Her Nourished Kids, an online space that's dedicated to supporting families and young children through mealtimes. She's a certified nutrition coach with a background in psychology and author of two kid-friendly whole food recipe books. Mind you, her food is amazing if you haven't seen her Instagram profile. And she's the creator of Mealtime Success. She completely focuses everything on children aged zero to six. So if you're a new mom or you're looking to become a mom in the future, you need to connect with Chrissy. Chrissy, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here with you. Yeah, just honored. I have known you for a fair few years now and I've loved watching your journey of becoming a mom and growing as a mom for yourself. So to kick it off for the episode today, share with our listeners, what day of your cycle are you on and how are you feeling? I think it's a brilliant question to start with because I'm mm. still breastfeeding my littlest one. So he has just turned one. So I have not yet had a period return, um, which is very similar to what's happened with the other two when I was feeding them as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know exactly the details, um, but I can definitely see there's like a, I would say rather than a cycle for me it's like a wave like I can definitely feel the wave yep um but yeah at the moment I just don't know <laughs> okay this is fantastic let's talk about periods and breastfeeding Wait. because I know that a lot of young women who might be listening to this mm-hmm. or if you haven't had kids yet women don't realize that once you've had the baby they think your period comes back but if you're breastfeeding it's different for every woman exactly yeah so what was your experience like with your first two kids, so like with Leo and Amelia, about ending your breastfeeding and getting your cycle back. How was that journey for you? Well, it's interesting and perhaps we'll end up touching on this as well because I actually had um, an interesting journey even just falling pregnant in terms of my cycle and period because I had um, been diagnosed with PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. So getting my period back after Luca, who was my first, was exciting um because I just hadn't had that like natural cycle um at all so I actually had an induced period in order to even fall pregnant so um prior to that I'd been on the pill for I don't know 10 years Mm -hmm. and that's when it all just started so yeah after him it probably was a couple of months and it was yeah so exciting because I was like my body's doing what it's meant to be doing um which was yeah really exciting um yeah and then the same with Amelia like after her as well it was the same like around two months after I finished breastfeeding I know I know everyone's different some people um you know get their period back while they're breastfeeding um but yeah for me it's always been around two months after finishing so Mm. that'd be great to see what happens with Luca your third yeah um, and how that transitions for you definitely let's you just opened up the can of words about (laughs) and conceiving Let's talk, if you're open to sharing, about your journey as being a woman. So let's start way back to when you first started menstruating. Like how old were you and what was it like for you when you got your menstrual cycle for the first time? 
Yeah. So I actually had to think about this when I was diagnosed with PCOS because I know a lot of people say, you know, um, that they may have seen those symptoms earlier. They may have seen like irregular periods right from the start. They never did. Like I feel like back then I had like a really regular period. I never had any issues um, before I started taking the pill. Um, so yeah, I'd say it was like a really normal, I think like from memory, I was around 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really normal, really. Like I, I don't recall having any issues around it. Um, but then I was on the pill for such a long time. I just wish, I wish there was someone like you around back then um, to say this other alternatives or don't go on it for 10 years. Um, because I think, I, I, I truly believe that was like a huge catalyst or trigger as to why I had so many issues falling pregnant um, or trying to conceive. So yeah, we thought, I thought, you know, I was 24, 23, 24 at the time. And I thought, yep, this is just going to be a breeze. Like it'll be super easy to fall pregnant. I'm young. Um, yeah, wasn't. <laughs> so. so were you trying to conceive and then from not conceiving, that's how you mm -hmm. found out you, you had the PCOS? Correct. So we tried for around eight months and then I was like, this is kind of weird. Like I haven't had a period. Like this is just a little bit weird. Um, I'll go along to my doctor and see what's going on. And they did um, the ultrasound, um, the fact that I hadn't had I hadn't had a period and the, and also um, blood tests or um, yeah, indicated that I had the symptoms of PCOS. Um, yeah. So in order to fall pregnant, I then had to be referred to a specialist, saw two specialists. Um, the first that I saw the, um, what did I say? The, the suggestion was we'll draw your ovaries because that will make you fertile for six months and fingers crossed you get, pregnant during that time um, so needless to say I sought a second opinion um, <laughs> and yeah I ended up having to take Clomid in order to have a an induced period in order to ovulate um, my entire um, ovulation period and that that conception period was completely monitored so every couple of days I was monitored by a specialist so it wasn't quite what I had pictured like it wasn't in my mind what I had thought um, I guess the reason why we even started that journey a little bit earlier was because I also um, I feel like I've yeah I've got a lot to talk about on this topic because I also had um, sin 3 about two years prior to this whole journey so that really was what prompted me so that was the cervical smear coming back irregular um having to have cells removed and then I was like oh like I think this is an indication that if we're going to try maybe we do it earlier I kind of had in the back of my mind maybe maybe we'll run into some issues here um yeah so that was the, the I love the that when you when you say in the back of my mind I kind of had this like feeling mm. that's your intuition and that's mm. and I wrote down here that like when something doesn't feel right, mm -hmm. ask for support and reach out to check in. Hang on, I'm just going to check in with my body right now and see what's going on. So you went to the doctors to like yeah. find out. Yeah. I think it's so important. And it's funny, it's, a, it's an interesting topic that's been coming up a lot for me at the moment about <laughs> the journey of conception and mm -hmm. the journey of falling pregnant. Everyone kind of just expects it's going to be like in the movies. Yeah, oh, we fall in love and we have this romantic night together and we conceive and oh my god now I'm pregnant 
And unfortunately, the body works in so many different ways. And because of our mm-hmm. lifestyle and mm-hmm. the, the current world that we live in has changed so dramatically in the last 100 years, let alone the last 500 years, that the journey of this whole conception has changed a lot. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable about your current journey. Of course. Um, tell us and the listeners a little bit more about what you said about the C3 when you found out, because most people would have no idea what that is. Yeah. So just share what that is so that people understand what you're talking about. And then, then that's how it ended up leading into going, oh, I just want to find out oh, I've got PCOS. Yeah, sure. And I think I'm such an advocate for getting your pap smears. So if you're listening to this and you have not yet got and had a regular pap smear, go and do that. Um, because that was really for me. Like, I guess we, I went in and did a regular pap smear. It had been highly encouraged from my mother who has also had like a similar journey. Um, and yeah, I got the call, the phone call um, while I was at work. Um, yeah, you've got an irregular pap smear here. Um, you need to come in. And I just remember it just being um, utter devastation, to be honest. I didn't know what that really meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a real lack of um, discussion about it. Hopefully now that discussion comes up more because at the time I was like, hey, what does this mean? Like all I knew was that my mum had been through a similar journey. Um, I think sometimes it can be hard even to find doctors or um, medical professionals who have that empathy maybe because they see it more often, um, but that empathy just to say, this is like the process. Um, yeah. So anyway, referred to a specialist, had those cells removed. I was very lucky, I guess, that I had had a pap smear. Um, but I guess I was yeah mindful when I found that out that things might be a little bit more challenging and for a period of time, so I think two years after that, I had to have really regular um, checks as well as observations. So, um, yeah, I got to know gynecologists really early on as well. Um, yeah, and that, yeah, that kind of led into the, I think it was maybe beneficial, not beneficial, but I think it was um, when I went through the struggles of even falling pregnant the fact that I kind of knew like, okay, well, there's specialists in this area. There's people who um, are able to guide me alongside um, that was kind of where my natural, more natural journey started as well. And I think, you know, even when I got that diagnosis of PCOS, um, again, I, I cried in the doctor's office because I didn't know what it meant. Like I didn't even know what this thing was. I'd never heard of it before. I didn't know anyone who had PCOS um, and I think sometimes the, the first thing you hear when you hear that is, um, it's going to be really difficult to fall pregnant. Um, particularly if you have the goal of wanting to be, a yeah. mom and get to be, be a mum. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that kind of just started my journey of what can I do here and who can I see, but also how can I help myself? And I do think that was like the turning point for me in terms of I need to change up my lifestyle as well. There was lots of things that I was doing that was not supporting my thyroid thyroid health. Um, I certainly, I, I wouldn't say I was like unhealthy at that time, but I certainly wasn't. Um, yeah, I ate a lot of like more processed foods. 
Yeah. So that kind of, I think the combination of two, and I think it sometimes it takes those like really big events in order to really reflect on your lifestyle and go, hang on a second, like what is really going on here? And I think if it hadn't have been for that moment, I probably would have just continued on, you know, I was in a really high stress job, would have just carried on and that would have been my norm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes I think those things happen to remind you that you need to take a step back and, and kind of look from the outside in as well. Such great advice. What happens to you isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm-hmm. But if you put it in the basket of it's happening to you, then that's, I like to say you get a bit of pity party going on mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. life's terrible and you know, the world's against you. Mm-hmm. My body hates me, but mm-hmm. it's not like that at all. You just shared so many great things. Let's talk about when you said that once you were diagnosed with PCOS, mm-hmm. which is what I've also been diagnosed yeah. with, what you did, because you mentioned, all, you know, I, I started to make changes and I mm. looked at things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I feel that no matter where you are on your health journey, even if you feel like you're a solid nine and a half out of 10, 10 being like the pinnacle of health. Yeah. The pinnacle is not a stagnant place. It's consistently moving because yeah. your life is consistently moving. So we exactly. can always make changes. But what were the things that you did, Chris, that helped you like reshuffle your priorities in your life to connect with your body better? Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, I think it's important to note before I talk about that as well, and I'm really open about sharing this, you know that, because I do think there's so much value in sharing this. And I, I think that... Um, it's important to be spoken about as well. So prior to this, and I think this all, like it all integrates well, and you'll know that from a cycle perspective that I also struggled, struggled with disordered eating as a teenager and early adult. So extremely underweight, um, perhaps a contributing factor in terms of um, whilst I was on the pill as well, but um, in terms of all of this. So when all this was going on, I was recovered, um, but very early stages. So only a couple of years out of, um, you know, that, that really difficult time with food. Um, so I guess for me, because I've always had that in the back of my mind and I've always been very mindful about how I recover, um, is that I'm very particular about trying, like, I guess, identifying if there's a strict diet or a plan that's not for me I'm like I'm out (laughs) I'm checking out I'm saying yeah that's not me so um, it was very much about how can I make sustainable lifestyle changes here that are going to serve me and my body Um, I think a couple of the like really simple things like I ended up searching like where are some natural health like advocates for PCOS and there wasn't a lot Um, not back then, because how old's how old's Leo now? He's he's Lucas six, almost six. Yeah. So this was like seven, eight years ago. I think there was one. I can't remember what her name was, but she had like I think it was like called Conquer PCOS, Conquering mm-hmm. PCOS. And I remember buying her digital book, and I was just like, all right, what do I need to know about this? Um, and it was simple things like the cruciferous. I can never say probably Ve- vegetables. You know things like vegetables. broccoli, where I was eating like possibly two heads a day um and it was just like it's like you know what like if you've got thyroid issues like maybe dial it back a little bit for a period of time it was really simple things like that that I think in combination like I couldn't say it was just one thing or another but I think it was a combination of really recognizing all these things um definitely I think pulling back on refined sugar was a huge thing I think in that high stress stress job I would go 
3 p.m., my 3.30-itis, um, reach for the sugar in order to get me through the day, really long gym sessions at night, which now I'm like, I couldn't even think of, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in bed by 8.30 now. <laughs> um, but, you know, those 7 o'clock gym sessions, um, yeah, I just, there was lots of little things, and I think in combination, they just weren't supporting my body. I think I was definitely in a high state of stress, um, whether also emotionally as well, but I just think just physically, like my body was just a little bit stressed out. Um, yeah. So I think that, yeah, I couldn't say it was just one thing. I can't say it's just, you know, just go do this and you'll, you'll help your body. But yeah, a combination of everything. And I think it's interesting and I really want to, um, once I get my cycle back after um, finishing feeding Leo and it's been a couple of months, I would love to get clinically like retested for PCOS because I honestly truly believe I would not meet the criteria anymore. And I think that's quite cool. <laughs> so yeah. It totally is cool, and there's so many things I could like point out on what we've like what you've just mentioned. But just hone on the last comment about going back and getting retested mm. is that your body is consistently changing, mm -hmm. and what you do on a daily basis contributes to your body evolving and shifting and changing. And I always say to people, particularly in the Well Women program and the retreats that I run, that your body is consistently dying and regrowing. The cell structure that forms to create your body is consistently dying and regrowing. So if I injure my knee, which I did oh, nearly 10 years ago and I had a full knee reconstruction and the doctor said, oh, you're probably going to have to have another reco in 15 years because of the damage you've done. If I am proactive and look after my knee health, make sure I get the right nutrients to support that, I can actually regenerate the cells to maybe delay the fact that I need to have that surgery potentially again. Mm. The same thing is said with every aspect of our body. So with PCOS, it's the same. It's great to go back and go, hang on a second. I don't feel like I fall in this criteria anymore. What does my body say? Let's get checked out. And so mm. it's about listening. I love that. And I've heard a lot of women, and I truly feel through ancestral study, that having a pre like falling pregnant and conceiving and going through um, labor and birth and then breastfeeding is like a repatterning of the body for a woman. Yeah. yeah. Particularly if it's in a supportive environment and there's not a lot of additional lifestyle stresses, it can be a completely repatterning for the endocrine system. Mm, mm. So I want to know, you need to come back and like give me an update what happens. That's very exciting. Yeah, I feel intuitively it would just, yeah, I wouldn't meet the criteria anymore. Just even from the simple fact that I would have a cycle, because I think that was one of the, I think you only had to have three to meet the diagnosis. And that was one of my three. So mm. yeah, be interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Well, be sure to let us know. I will. I will. And another thing that you mentioned was about it being sustainable lifestyle changes. Even though you're like, oh, I can't really tell you exactly what I did because it was a lot of things. Mm. That's the thing for everything when it mm -hmm. comes to your health. There is no one answer. Yeah, and exactly. Recently, I had a, a person message me about wanting a meal plan for a particular you know, structure for IVF. But there is no meal plan because your lifestyle is different to every other woman's lifestyle. The way that you work, the way that you move your body, you know, do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Do you sleep like for eight hours? Do you sleep for four hours? There's so many contributing factors. Where do you live on the planet? What's your Ayurvedic constitution in your body and the makeup mm. of that? So there is no one way. And that's why an accumulation and what I call the four pillars is important. Nutritional, physical, emotional, and energetic or spiritual mm. to, like, to contribute. 
never yeah. just one thing. It's kind of like falling pregnant just with the girl. It doesn't work. You need both, you know, yeah. both parties to contribute. Yeah. So let's um, open up the, the door. You mentioned a little bit about disordered eating mm-hmm. and the restriction and then the relationship, which I guess it opens up to the relationship with your body. Yeah. How, what is it? I know there's so many women that struggle with this. Mm-hmm. about the fear around eating, the fear around the way that they look, feeling comfortable in their body. I know becoming a mum, you kind of just like, ah, fuck it. You know, you just kind of throw it out the window. Not out the window, but you throw out think, like judging yourself so much, you allow. I think, I think that's an interesting topic because I Tell think us. maybe it's the opposite. I think mm-hmm. becoming a mum, there's so many changes and I think sometimes you can lose you know you know yourself prior to becoming pregnant so well you know you know your body so well and then you become pregnant and you're like hang on a second like this isn't my body like whose body is this um and I think it can take a while to um come to terms and I, yeah I think it's different like you have this new perspective on your body but I also think it can bring up a lot of um body image issues for so many women because so many mums because yes so many things change <laughs> i think there's so many yeah your, your body just changes and my body is so different if i think back to when i mean yes i was younger as well but yeah it's just even the way my body shape is and the way clothes fit it's just so so different now so yeah it's an interesting topic i think yeah and, I, and i'm sure in mum circles that you're probably a part of that there's always as women there's mm-hmm. something that we have that we wish we didn't have mm-hmm. and we want what someone else has. It's mm-hmm. like that Helga's ad, yeah. I'll have what she's having. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, what are your, like going through that journey with yourself, how has your journey of having PCOS, falling mm-hmm. pregnant after the challenge of maybe not conceiving, now mm-hmm. having three kids, mm-hmm. having breastfed three very healthy kids, mm-hmm. how has that changed your relationship with your body? Like what's the ebbs and flows and what could you recommend or suggest to other mums who are maybe going to embark on this journey to becoming a mum? Yeah. What would you suggest for them? That's a good question. I actually was listening to a podcast yesterday um, specifically about girls, raising girls. And it was about, you know, how do we encourage our little ones to have a positive body image from a really young age? And one of the psychologists said um, that they really need to hear from a significant person. I love my body. Like, I just love it. Like, I love my body. Not, uh, I love my body, but just uh, I love my body because mm-hmm. that's what they're going, they're going to role model. And I think for me, I was thinking and I was listening to this podcast and I was like, you know what? For the first time in my life, I actually, there's nothing I can like go, I don't like that. Like, I just, I'm, I'm so content and happy. And that makes me almost emotional because I'm like, there's been so many points in my life where I just have not felt that. I've just felt the complete opposite. I felt like there are a million things I need to change, that I'm not good enough because of the way my body looks. Um, and I, yeah, I just think that sometimes perspective is important, but I also think that, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know that whether it's that, it's not a priority for me right now. Like it's just not something I think about. Um, I think I eat in a way that I know is so sustainable. I have chocolate. I don't restrict myself. I don't label any way that I eat. And I think that that is all really conducive to a really healthy body image. And I really hope that I was, I, I guess that podcast yesterday just really 
um, stuck with me because I think it's so important for the young girls that we're surrounded by, whether you're a mum or not, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and I, this podcast actually said, well, maybe it comes from an auntie, you know, maybe their auntie is the one that says, you know, I love my body because they need to hear it somewhere. And I think mm. the more women who can say, you know, I'm really happy as I am in a time where social media is here and in a time where, um, you know, girls and women are ex- and mums and, and it doesn't matter your age, you're exposed to um, the bodies that are pushed upon us that we are meant to have. Um, Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we just, we're just in the age and I think it's really important just to remind yourself that your body's amazing. Um, you are you, you are unique and, um, yeah, what's going to work for you is not going to work for everyone and that's okay. Yeah. So I have a lot, I could, I guess I could talk about this topic forever. Um, it's really important to me to advocate for a healthy relationship with food because like I said, like, I guess we are those people that have so much influence over the younger generation. And you say that too, you know, Mm -hmm. it all starts with those, those younger years. Um, And the more we can do now, the better I think. So I don't even know if I answered your question then. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. Well, where it went was great because you're spot on when it, when it comes to the more that we can do, the only, the only good it can create Mm -hmm. and that little people, they model the big people. You know, I think, of me being seven years older than my sister, even as a seven-year-old and she was a baby or say mm-hmm. I was 14 and she was seven, which is quite a big gap, you know, between mm-hmm. 14 and seven, is that she, I used to hate it. She used to copy everything. She's probably going to listen to this podcast. I love you, Jade. She used to <laughs> copy everything that I did. Like we as kids used to do the plates that you draw on and then you get it made into a plate. And so mm-hmm. every year she would copy like what I would draw. And so I would draw mine first and then she would copy it and then she'd want to like do what I was doing. And so it's the modeling regardless of the age difference Mm -hmm. that little people model bigger people than them Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they want to become a bigger person. And so that comes down to the psychology and you would know this having a background in psychology Mm -hmm. is that it's not what you say, it's what you do. Yeah. Very much so. So if you want to, help your parents or a friend or a family member, not even a child, mm-hmm. improve their habits. It's not what you say to them. It's yeah. what you do that matters. Yeah. And as a mom, I know that's like really important. And it's probably a really big part of your whole mealtime success focus with the little mm-hmm. kids yeah, from zero to six. So what's the effect of food as an adult and the way that that impacts children? Um, for those who are listening, who would like, like for me, I'd like to become a mum in the future. And I want to know about this. Like, tell us more about what that is for you. I think there's so many, um, so many aspects you can go into here, but I just think the thing that I think I see the most is mealtimes becoming really stressful and, and um, a real struggle. And I think it's really um, common to see that meal rejection and, um, fussy eating or whatever. Um, and I think the one thing, the one thing I say to families that um, I think has such a big impact, and this doesn't matter whether you have kids or not, I think it has a big impact regardless on so many aspects of your life is have a family meal, eat with someone. It's, you know, eating is such a social thing. And we, like you said, you know, you see what others are doing and it's much better than you to go, this is what you should be doing, you know, like um, sharing your, your orders of what, how it should be you modeling, you eating your vegetables, you showing your child how to eat them. 
um, you know, using things like what, what happens with this pee when I eat it? Does it pop? Like making it fun and, and having those conversations and something we implement as a family is three things each day we ask and it's our opportunity to connect at the end of the day. So it's, what was your favorite thing today? Tell me about it. Um, tell me about something that was hard today. And then what was something nice you did for someone else? And whilst the answers from my three-year-old are interesting, um, this for my six-year-old has been an opportunity for us to learn so much more about his day as well and about the hard, mm. the hard times at school that we wouldn't even talk about. And I think those family meals, it doesn't matter what your family looks like or how many people are at the table, even if it's just you and your child, that's family meal and having those conversations and just connecting as a family, I think is one of the most beneficial things you can do for positive mealtimes moving forward not just for your, what your child's eating, not just for the success that it feels in the moment, but also those health outcomes. And it's researched, you know, in terms of obesity, in terms of positive emotional well-being. So, yeah, I think for me, if I was to give one piece of advice here, is go and find a friend three times a, um, a week and aim to have that connection, that social connection at mealtimes. Sharing a meal. It's funny. <laughs> exactly. We've been doing that for centuries, breaking, like it's even in the Bible, like breaking yeah. bread, you know, over like, with yeah. everybody together is that when you share your meal with someone, it slows down mm-hmm. the way in which you eat because you're, you're talking, you're communicating and the whole thing is connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could talk on this topic forever. Know, like I the know. whole fact that people <laughs> turn to food for fulfillment when really you can be fulfilled with other aspects of your life. It's why even though I'm a single woman and I, I could live on my own if I wanted I like living with someone. Yeah. I came from a big family. I like having someone here that I can share my day with and that, you know, and I love, um, you know, Annie who I live with, like, like she's like another sister to me because we get to share meals and we get to, you know, talk and communicate. And so I love that you do that with your kids and starting it at such a long, uh, like a young age. Yeah. What an amazing thing to do. Um, So yeah, go out and create, like find a friend yeah. or a family member and eat and eat and share a meal with them. So okay. let's get ready to wrap it up. I have a okay. final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could give three guiding tips to your younger self, when you started menstruating as mm-hmm. a girl becoming a woman, what mm-hmm. would they be? Would be pay more attention mm-hmm. um, or track your cycle not just your cycle, but track, track everything, like track your feelings, track your emotions, just track, track, keep an eye on things. Um, I think two would be, know your body's doing what it's meant to be doing. And if you feel like it's not, go and talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And I think three would be similar to that one and explore all your options um, in terms of birth control, in terms of, um, yeah, get a second opinion, explore all options. They would be my three. I love that because going to school at school age when you start mm-hmm. menstruating, it's very, I feel like patriarchy is like you're wrong or you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're smart or you're not smart. Yeah. So there's not just, it's not black and white when it comes to your body. There are lots of different people with lots of different opinions. So if you're listening to this, pay attention to your body, track your cycle. If you don't yet track your cycle, go to my website, get the free love your cycle tracker with video series there for free. 
get started. Um, I wrote down number two is like, trust your body. You're pretty much saying like, you know, honor who you are and trust that your body always knows. Yeah. And the third one was explore all of your options. Yeah. I love that. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us. Before we wrap up, please tell our listeners how they can find you. Share a little bit more about your new program that's coming out and how they can connect with you. Yeah, sure. So I'm always on Instagram. Instagram is like, if you want to connect with me, message me on there. I really, um, I always message back. If, if you message me and you ask a question, I'll always message back. I'm sometimes a little bit slow because I do think that connection is so important. So connect with me there. It is her.nourished. Um, we've got a kids Instagram as well, which is her nourished kids, which is all the tips when it comes to mealtimes. It's all free. Um, like on there, there's recipes, there's little snippets of information, but what I'm most excited about is that I think next week, hopefully when this podcast is live, we have a membership program opening, but it's more than that. It is basically a way for you to, um, become the, the, the expert of your child. You are the expert of your child, but really identify what's going on for them. So one of our, um, I guess, my most exciting things um, as part of that program is that there's a food and mood diary where you can identify your child's mood at mealtimes and really stand back and look at the day as a whole. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I cannot wait and I feel like it's going to really help families, um, yeah, identify what's going on at mealtimes. I love that. I wish that all mums had that even like when we were kids mm-hmm, I know <laughs> and I'm super excited because it helps kids connect more with their bodies and get to know themselves which will help and change their health dramatically for the future so exactly thank you for being such an inspiring mum sharer creator and gift to the world for all other women so thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for having me and thank you for what you're doing I just yeah I wish there was something like this when I was younger I think what you're doing is brilliant oh thanks so much well have an amazing day and for everyone listening we will chat to you in our next episode you'll find all the links from everything that Chrissy shared in the show notes but until next time have an amazing day and we're talking to you soon bye for now Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember... Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.